Hey friends, welcome to the Truth For Your 20s podcast. This is episode eight and I am your host, Katie Bulmer. We are coming at you every other Monday. We're doing every other week episodes right now and this has been such a joy to be able to bring these episodes to you and today is no exception. I am chatting with my friend Jada Hopkins. Jada is a student at UTC and she is a biology major so we get into all kinds of interesting topics But I'll warn you, the meat of our conversation today is based on sex. We talk about God's design for sex, how our bodies are made and created, the biology behind everything. But I just want to give you that warning in case there are children in the car. This is maybe a PG-13 type of episode, so just keep that in mind. You'll have to give us a little grace. There's some feedback on Jada's headphones, but this is like the third time we tried to record, so we're going for it. There's some really good content here, so hopefully you can get past a little bit of sound issues and enjoy this awesome episode. But before we get into the episode, I want to read you a reader's review of the podcast. It says, I have been following Katie and her message for a couple of years now, and this podcast is everything I needed and more. As a high school senior, it is so encouraging to hear real struggles and truths from older women to help prepare me for what the next stage in my life is, college. What a unique and needed niche this is, and I'm so happy that I get to listen and be encouraged. Oh, thank you so much, friend. We love reviews like this. It just means so much. It helps us going, and reviews really, really help podcasts grow. So if you could take the time to just hit pause on this and go leave us a review, it would mean so much. And before our next episode, maybe I could read your review. That would be so fun. All right, here we go. Here's my episode with Jada Hopkins. My name is Katie Bulmer. I'm a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who found out at the age of 23, a cute boyfriend and hunch punch won't actually fill my broken places. Shocker, I know. It turns out there's only one savior. After this realization, I met a youth pastor turned financial genius, unlike any frat boy I ever dated. So I married him. Together, we have mentored teens and 20-somethings for over 15 years. We've learned a lot of the common themes, struggles, and ways we can help. So we're doing a podcast. Here it is. I had a friend ask me the other day, if you could have any job, what would it be? And my answer was what I get to do now. I get to travel to schools all over the place and share the message sorority girls can change the world. And I get to meet faces like yours and I get to hug them and I get to see girls light up when they realize there really is a different way to do Greek life. It just, it gives me so much joy. I'm booked up through September, but you guys, I would absolutely love to have a conversation about bringing this message to your school in maybe October or November or maybe even to next semester. So just a quick rundown about what it is I speak on. I talk about how 15 years of working in marketing gave me the inside scoop to see firsthand how sorority women have a $100 million power of influence over the marketplace. I didn't make that number up. It is an actual dollar amount. I talk about this incredible trend-setting power and using that power for good. I talk about using those dollars to buy fair trade, to make a global impact. 
We talk about taking one social, one semester, and taking that man and woman power and bringing it to your community and serving. We talk about changing the dating world. Can I get an amen? And we also talk about the sisterhood that makes every great movement possible. Your founding sisters had incredible dreams of sisterhood, and I don't think we're too far gone. If you would like me to bring this message to your school, I have all the information you need at katiebulmer.life. Hey, Jada. What's up, Katie? I'm super excited. All right, Jada, you guys, is all the things science-minded. What's your major, Jada? A biology with a minor in chemistry. Okay, I can't even spell most of those words. Um, but Jada, you go to UTC. You're an upcoming senior, is that right? That's correct, yep. Which means she's going to be leaving me soon, and I can't even handle it. But I've got to know Jada through UTC. She's one of those awesome girls that just believes in the sorority girls can change the world message and will message me sometimes, how can I help you? And I'm like, oh, can I adopt you? You're my favorite. That's like, by the way, if you want to be friends with me, just message me. Hey, how can I help you? Like, oh, you're the best. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what I love about Jada is she's all those fancy scientific biology minded majors and she is a believer, but she's never been like, okay, A, B, and C, I believe because the church told me to check, check, and check. I want to know why. And she dives into the why behind everything. And especially like how our bodies work, how our bodies are made, what why God put this there and that there and this desire here and how it all works together. And one of those big things is about sex, which is of course a hot topic with my 20 year old friends. And Jada also does a small group Bible study, which of course is a hot topic. So we're just going to talk about all the things. Yes. (laughs) So Jada, I guess just let's first talk about, you know, culture says hook up with whoever you want, whenever you want, you know, no strings attached, have quote unquote fun, yet we see the consequences of that in our culture and it's not going well. What, I guess I can say, what are the small group, you know, students saying, what are they asking around that kind of question? How can we shed some light on how sex is really made? Yeah. Um, well, okay. A question that I got the other day, and I thought that was kind of interesting was, um, a girl was rebuttaling my abstinence, my choice to be abstinent. And she was saying um, it's got all these health benefits that go along with it, that it decreases stress, it helps with depression, it's natural. And I think all those things are true because it's God's perfect design, right? Um, But my rebuttal was Jesus does the same thing, right? Like he decreases depression, he helps with stress, He's he's all that fulfilling stuff and more. Um, and so that was what my rebuttal back to her was. Um, so just to add on to that, like, I mean, I, I was kind of thrown off by it because no one really ever throws science back at me. Um, (laughs) so like, how do you, how would you have handled that? Would you have added anything to that? I don't know. Well, I think first of all, a lot of times science tries to justify what we want to do. So we want to have sex. So we justify it through quote unquote science. And it's interesting because, you know, God made all the science in us, you know, the serotonin and the oxytocin and all the chemicals that are involved in a sexual experience. Um, All of those, as you know, I'm sure all of those are released 
as, um, as forming a bond between the person you have that sexual encounter with. So what I always go back to, you probably heard me say before is that when God very first invented sex, when you think about it, you know, God doesn't say this bad, like devil made sex or whatever. God was like, I had this idea, you know, going back to the garden, he took man and woman. He's on their wedding day. I'm going to give them this gift of sex. And he made the chemicals and the serotonin and all these hormones and fancy stuff inside of our bodies to not only have this physical act, but this chemical act of sex. And as I said, that very first word as he created this bond was called echad, E-C-H-A-D. It's the Greek word that translates to binding at the deepest level. And when I explain that, I always say that it's like concrete, that sex is you translated, you know, this Greek word, it it translates to concrete. So he had, he made this beautiful thing as, as a bond, which in marriage is good because you want to be concreted, you know, together forever to weather the storms of life and like all the junk is going to come at you. You know, you're going to have money problems and all, you know, job and all the things that you, as you transition and live a life together, but you're concrete, you're made to last and you're made to stand the test of time. But when we share this bond, this extremely powerful, but extremely fragile bond with just anyone on a Friday night who has good cologne on, then we break up concrete. And anytime you, yeah, anytime you walk by a construction site on the highway, you see that torn up concrete is a big, hot mess. Mm -hmm. So back to your friend is saying, you know, oh, well, I'm going to justify that sex is quote unquote good for you. It is in the right context. You know, I got analogies for days, but like fire is a good thing in my fireplace, but fire in the middle of my couch in my living room is destructive. So sex is good. God made it. He made a gift. It's supposed to bond and make a couple stand the test of time. But when you tear yourself away from a sexually bonded relationship, I mean, it hurts. Talk to 10 out of 10 people who have had a broken sexual relationship. They may tell you, and because I was the same way, they may tell you, oh, I'm fine. It was mutual. I just did it for fun. It doesn't hurt, yada, yada, yada. I promise you, I've never met anyone my age who looks back and say, I wish I would have had more sex with more people. I wish I would have. I mean, no one says that. And no one walks away from a sexual bond saying that didn't hurt. They, They may tell you it didn't, but I promise you it did. Yeah. And like, that's my, that's my own life, you know, and I, and that's kind of what drives me forward today is I look back and I was the same girl that you're describing right now. The constant, like, well, it, it, at times it even made me feel powerful to be able to have sex with someone and walk away and not care about them. And the issue (laughs) was that there was something deeper going on in my life. You know, my dad had just left and, um, there was lots of brokenness going on in my home. And so I was kind of overcompensating, um, that I felt so helpless in my home that I needed power somewhere else. And that's where I found it. Um, but the thing is, as I found it for a little while, but then after a while, it was like, now what, you know, no one, no one loves me now. No one actually genuinely cares about me. I've just slept around and I looked at myself and I was like, okay, this is pointless. Like, I don't even feel like I have any value or any worth. And, um, despite all the power I had been feeling, it is so meaningless. It, it 
just washed away so easily. The the moment depression came in, it was like, okay, you it just it's not it's not permanent. Um, that that lifestyle is just not permanent with happiness at all. So, you know, in my choice to be abstinent now, I definitely look back and I think, okay, <laughs> like this is what happiness is. And I I even had a girl my freshman year of high school. Um, she asked me in the in the cheerleading locker room she said Jada have you ever had sex and I was like no and she was like you should definitely do it it's a lot of fun like that was the advice that I got as a freshman oh gosh like that is okay how stereotypical like that's of a movie right yeah yeah for sure (laughs) she said it it must be true you know my friend from the cheerleading must yeah that I'm living proof that that is a lie and sex doesn't make you happy um maybe for what 15 minutes and then you're right back to the same misery that you were in. I mean, that's another thing is I think we're having, yeah. my generation is having sex before marriage, expecting that that's marriage and it's not right. more to marriage. Um, I don't know, but that's what I've been told. Right. You could elaborate on that maybe. I love everything you just said and I have to unpack a lot of it. <laughs> okay. First, I heard a quote that I just want to have tattooed to every billboard in America, but and this is so true, like you said, in your cult, in your generation, but girls are looking, they're handing their body over in hopes for love in return. And they're coming up empty and you've experienced it. I've experienced it. I, I feel like, you know, most of the girls probably listening to this have experienced this too. Like, Hey, I, I so desperately want to feel valued. I want to desperately feel beautiful and feel loved. So I'm going to place that all of those things that I need in the arms of a sinful trying to do his best human who can never fill. I mean, even if he is the sweetest guy who worships the ground you work on, congratulations. He is a sinful human who can never fill those broken places of worth and value and beauty and making you feel truly loved. I mean, he, even the best guy cannot do that. And not to mention the guy who just bought you a drink on a Friday night, like what the heck? (laughs) congratulations. He thinks you're hot. Good. Wow. I hope that you are. I hope that you're beautiful. I hope that he wants to get on your pants, but you know what? He doesn't get that opportunity because you are worth so much more than that. <laughs> Don't get me. Preach. Preach. Go on. Go on. Okay. That gets me fired up. Another thing you mentioned is, um, that worth that we look for, obviously, Jesus is the only one that can fulfill fulfill those broken places. But a lot of us, a lot of young women have it from a void from fathers, whether that's a broken home or not feeling the worth from our dads. And I'm not trying to throw dads under the bus. I think a lot of them are just doing their best, but you know, for whatever reason, um, parents who are no longer together, daddies who didn't stay around, whatever the case may be, how can we talk to the girl who's listening to this, who's saying, I need, you know, that feel that worth because my daddy left, or maybe they don't even know to put words to it, but I have that longing within me. My daddy didn't feel it. Those boys on spring break didn't feel it. You know, whatever it is that they need to feel it, they're looking for love and all the wrong fraternity boys, so to speak. <laughs> I guess, what could you tell her? Yeah. No, um, so that's an awesome question. Um, so I'm just, I'm going to just preach what I know. And you know, this is my truth. Okay. So can't speak for everyone. Um, but I, I looked it in love, like I thought I needed on the earth, but turns out that the earth can't supply that kind of love. 
and to heal a broken woman who has the kind of deep soul wound that a young woman has from her father not being there or a mother, you know, that can be damaging too. Um, yeah. There's just nothing on the planet that can just put a bandaid on it. That's all it does. So, um, yeah. What happened with me is I learned that um, there was a man named Jesus who loved me. And that sounds so cliche because, <laughs> like, oh, okay, like typical yeah. missionary, like, hi, have you heard of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like, I had always learned about a Jesus who loved me, but sometimes the Christians who were telling me that weren't really showing me that. And so I had to rewire my own brain and my own knowledge of Jesus and learn about who he really was. And so I just, you know, I read the Bible and that's pretty much how I learned about Jesus. On top of that, I did research about Jesus to learn about, you know, what does the historical record say about this man? Is he really who he said that this Bible is saying who he is? Um, And so I learned about that. and And I learned about, is he, did this really take place? Was Jesus actually a really man, like really a man? Um, and so once I kind of, I did my own research, I learned that Jesus was a real man, that the resurrection is proven to happen. Um, and if all those things are true, all these things that he is saying is crazy. And I've always grown up and, and felt like I had no worth because partly because I was a woman and partly because, um, you know, my, you know, my dad left and I felt like no one could love me. Like, why would someone love me? I had done all these terrible things like there's Mm -hmm. no way. Um, but I learned and I read through all these scriptures where Jesus takes up for women and all these times that Jesus is taking up for the widow and the woman at the well, where Jesus is revealing himself more so to the woman at the well saying, I am he to this woman. He revealed himself to a promiscuous woman more so than he did men at the time. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just so crazy. I mean, there's a story where, um, you know, they bring this adulterous woman and they say, you know, this woman has been caught in adultery. What should we do? And Jesus first ignores it because he's like, oh, these people are dumb. Right. <laughs> and um, then they ask him again. And he's like, you know, what does the law say that you should do? And they're like, Moses' law says that we should stone her to death. And he's like, okay, great. So the first one of you to, you know, be clear of sin, pick up the first stone. And no one does it. You know, no one's perfect. And it's just, he's just this huge advocate for women and women who are full of sin. And he doesn't just show them like this simple, oh, I love you, go on. It's this grace and this mercy that I never heard of. It's this unconditional love that I never heard of. So I started learning about Jesus um, and learning about this love. And then I started feeling this love and how taken care of I was from this man that I couldn't even see with my own eyes. Um, and so that that's what started mending it. There's supernatural healing, and that's the only healing that fixed me in that situation. That's so good. No, it's so good. It's so good. I heard somewhere that they interviewed some of the most wealthy, successful women in America. And it was like, you know, you, you have fame, you have success, you have all the things. Who do you need? Um, like what would be the ultimate approval? And they all like 10 out of 10 was like, I still want to hear from my daddy. Like, I'm, I'm proud of you. Like, you know, that, that father relationship. And no matter what your earthly father, he might be the best guy in the world, but we all need 
from that father figure, you know what I mean? And so that's why God invites us to say, call me father. And so, you know, even the best dads out there, like can't fill that broken space in us. Like we all need that approval from that father. I just thought that was good stuff. Yeah. 100%. You keep saying so many good things. I'm like, okay, writing notes, writing notes. (laughs) But one of the things, um, you know, I'm obsessed with the woman at the well. She, she's my home girl. Like after when I go to heaven and it's like, you know, streets of gold, all that good stuff. I'm like, mm, can I get a mansion beside the woman at the well and we can be neighbors? Like, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, she was actually the first missionary. So in the whole scripture, she was the first one that he said, go and tell what I've done in your life. And I just think that's fascinating. And she was a woman, you know? And so who in the world, who ever told you you're not good enough, you're not capable enough, you don't understand the scriptures enough. And that's the thing. She was, she walked into that well 20 minutes ago as the, the harlot of the city that everyone didn't want to be around. And she walked out as a transformed new creation. And God said, go share my story. It's not like, you know, that happened in my life. Pretty much. I was like the crazy sorority girl dancing on the tables, hanging out at the fraternity houses. And then I met Jesus and everything changed. And I was like, Oh, well they won't listen to me. You know, who am I? All those lies. And Jesus is like, you're a new creation. Like go do it. You know? And I'm like, all the things, all the things, of course. But no one ever said, well, man says you need to get your life right. But Jesus never said that. He's like, you don't need to be perfect. Like I've made you perfect. That is, you are a new yes. creation girlfriend. He says it like that <laughs> too, by the way. <laughs> okay. Another thing I wanted to unpack that you mentioned earlier is you mentioned having sex before marriage and walking in new virginity in your current relationships. That's a hot topic that I want to hear you unpack a little bit. What does that look like? How did that change? And how does that look now? Oh my God. So it's freaking hard. I will say that. (laughs) Um, It's not easy. And I think that's a common misconception is, well, you know, once you get saved, everything just kind of falls into place. Like, no, the devil is on you, especially if you are trying to um, fulfill what Jesus has commanded us. And it's not been easy at all. And, but the major change that I saw, okay, now this is finally starting to work as I got a partner who was on board. Preach. Um, yeah. So if I get that question a lot too, is my boyfriend wants to, and he's kind of upset, um, that I, I want to hold out until marriage now. Um, that's, just never really worked out. I've seen right. like you, it's just so hard. It, like you said, it, you are just already bonded to that person. You're going to crave that bond yeah. over and over again. And until that person is also saying, yes, I realize how this can be damaging. And I also want to follow the Lord. It just doesn't seem to work out. Um, but yeah, that's, that was the big kicker. And I'm, you know, that's to each their own because some people are a lot stronger than me, a lot more you know, have a little more willpower than me. Um, but it definitely took me dating someone who was like, I don't want that either, you know? So good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that I talked about this with the episode with Carly, but I think that you probably found this to be the case as well, that is significantly easier to avoid temptation when you don't put yourself in tempting situations. Right. So like hanging out after midnight in the dark with the door shut, with articles of clothing missing, like what, what do you think is going to happen? Right. You know, <laughs> right. so I, I'm sure that you just put, not putting yourself in those situations. Like, you know, for Brian and I, it was the same way. Like, I'm like, Oh, but 
why don't you want to make out? Like, why, what? <laughs> I don't understand, you know? But when it became a non-issue of us, like, not even going there, then it was like, okay, well, it's not so hard because we're not, we're not putting ourselves in tempting situations. We're not, like, knocking, playing with fire and hoping not to get burned, you know? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right? Okay, and then speaking of a guy, like, who is wanting to, you know, save himself from marriage as well, or, you know, not, or not go down that same road. That's a huge deal because I think that the guys have a lot of leadership in this. What would you say about the girl who is dating the guy who's pressuring her? Here's my pet peeve. When a, when a guy's like, Oh, well I'll wait until you're ready. What? What the crap ever. Peace out. That's right. Bye. (laughs) Because, yes, bye. Because basically what he's saying is, I'm starving to death, and you have a steak dinner in front of you, but it's fine. It's fine. I don't need it. And and you're the bad guy for, like, not giving it up. Like, that is horse crap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, okay, if a guy says that, be like peace out. But legitimately that that's not a, that's not fair because you have to, before you even get too far down that road, you'll need to have a serious conversation anyway. Like this is who I am. This is what I'm pursuing. I'm pursuing godliness. I'm pursuing, pursuing, you know, sexual integrity. I want to have less to explain to my husband one day. I want less baggage to walk down the aisle with. I can attest to all of that crap. So you having that honest conversation with that guy is a huge step. And then not having, um, not getting yourself in those situations where temptation is an issue. Right. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, I had a, okay. This is something that I, I feel like you would have a good answer to. So I don't know. You might know that this is a thing, but I didn't really know this was a thing until like my junior year of high school. But I had a I had a best friend at the time, and she started dating uh, a boy, and he was pursuing godliness, and she didn't want to. So it was kind of the opposite. Um, yeah. And one time I dropped her off at his house, and I went to go get her. I came and picked her up, and she was sobbing. And she was like, what kind of loser doesn't want to have sex with me? <laughs> and... Um, I was like, I was like, I wasn't a believer then. So I was like, I don't know. You're hot. Like who cares? <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. What, what do you say to that girl who feels like, I feel like she was just desperate. Do you feel like, is that, is that the right thing to say? Yeah. Like, she, she's looking to feel fulfilled. She's looking for those broken places. She's looking for him to define her worth and her beautifulness is not a word, but you know what I mean? She's like saying, Hey, I have an empty cup. I need someone to tell me that I'm worthy and I'm handing it to you. And he says, he says that he doesn't want to have sex with her, which she translates. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not worthy enough. You don't like me enough. There's something wrong with me, but he's, he's honoring her body. Honestly, if she were to take a step back to think about it, he's saying, I like you too much to put you in a compromising situation because it golly, especially in high school, the chances of you marrying that guy are very, very slim. I realize there's someone listening. Oh no, I'm going to marry my high school boyfriend. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I hope that y'all live happily ever after, but the odds are not very good. (laughs) All I'm saying is what is the freaking rush? First of all, and a hundred out of a hundred times when you put your worth at the feet of another sinful human being, he, he just cannot 
no matter how awesome he is, fill that up for you. And I mean, that's just, that's my homegirl, one minute the well, she's looking, she was married five times and she was like, please love me, please love me. And kept getting, you know, kept getting divorced or broken up with or whatever it was back in those days, living with a guy she wasn't married to, which was even more scandalous back then than it is now. And she's like, please, I just want to feel loved. And Jesus meets her there and he's like, you are just trying so hard, my sweet friend, (laughs) but you're never, ever, ever going to find it in the arms of a guy. You're just not. And that was a story that changed my life because I'm like, shoot, that was me. I kept looking in the arms of boys and well, if maybe he was more popular or maybe if he was, you know, more fun loving, or if I was prettier, if I jumped through all the right hoops and it just never worked out, never, ever, ever, because it never could. And so once I finally got my broken places fulfilled, and the only one who can in Jesus, then I was a whole person meeting another whole person. That's when I met Brian, because first of all, who even wants to meet another broken person? Like we're, we're all broken. Yeah. But two broken pieces don't make a good marriage, but two whole complete people who are becoming the best version of themselves and completely filled within Christ, not desperately searching for another person to fulfill them. That is what makes a good marriage. Yes. And my sister actually touched on that yesterday. As I asked her, I was like, I feel like everyone's getting married. And we were talking about the divorce rate. I was like, I feel like everybody's getting married and they're expecting something else. And it's not that. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not married. So like, what do you think? She was like, oh, totally. She, she, um, got married at 18 and got divorced and is married again. So she, you know, she's been through this and, um, she just kind of said like, it's just, you living your life, but coming home to someone every day and telling someone every day what that struggle is, what the new struggle is. So like you said, if you are a broken person being married, I don't, I don't feel like that's going to fix it. Not for one second. I don't think sex is going to fix it either. Um, so (laughs) like being your own whole person takes a lot of work and people are trying to put the bandaid on it. That isn't working. The only thing that is actually the needle and the thread to put those stitches in your wound is Jesus. And you cannot tell me that he's not because I've lived that life. It's just been too much divorce, too much, too much. Yeah. And in the church, the Christian world, the divorce rate isn't much better than it is the rest of the world. I've heard it said that there are no marriage problems. They're just single people problems. And they're married. And so it's exasperated. So, you know, selfishness and greed and all the other million things, it's not, you get married and you put on a, you know, nothing changes when you put on a white dress and a tuxedo, like you're still two selfish human beings who have to learn how to put someone else's needs above your own. So honestly, becoming less selfish doesn't like, there's no magic button for that. It's a process and you're going to be a lot better at it. If you had some practice before you say, I do instead of me, 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 me. I hope that some guy Prince Charming is going to sweep me off my feet and everything's going to be happily ever after. Good luck with that. It only works on, on Disney movies. (laughs) And, and I'm saying this out of experience because I'm currently working on becoming a whole person because it's hard. Like if you are a broken person and you've been down a path that, you know, has just been more damaging than, you know, beautiful, then it, it, it is so hard. It takes so much work. It takes going through really low places to get to the mountaintop. So I think that's another issue is people are giving up. They want to cop out really quick because they're tired of hurting it. And I get that. Like, 
I, I totally understand that. You just want a quick fix because you're so tired of feeling like this. I mean, some people stay in this low place for years and nothing. And, you know, some people try to use Jesus and they feel like he's not there. And there's just so many different things. But the thing that I found is just to constantly pray and to constantly pursue. And I've been reading through Luke and Jesus gives two parables and both of them, um, are just asking God. And he says, how do you, you know, if you want to ask God for something, you have to keep asking him for something because he will answer you. He's planning to answer you, but you have to keep asking him. And so that may take years of asking and waiting is hard, but there's a process and I trust it. So, um, yeah, I mean, you might, you've been through that too. So is that how it worked for you too? Am I wrong in that? Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions is that, you know, there's a lot of pressures when you're single, and there are, but that once you get married, that, like, that goes away or something, and, you know, the temptations are not for me to go to the bar and hook up with guys anymore, (laughs) but, I mean, there are still, for sure, sinful temptations every day, and so refining myself and be, and chasing after the feet of Jesus doesn't like go away. And I, and I hope that it never, and it, it can't, you know, we're always like being refined the side of heaven. So definitely always like chasing that. But, um, one thing I was going to say too, is just like getting back to the garden and how everything was made, you know, God didn't say, you know, he made everything right. So he like the heavens and the earth and all the things and, and the fireworks at the end of the show, like the bam of creation was like, I'm going to make man in my own image, like the thumbprint of God, like have the same, I don't know. You said the image of God, which is super cool to start out with. And he was like, all right, I made this man in my own image. And then I imagine like he takes a step back and like strokes his beard (laughs) and he's like, it's not good for man to be alone. And I think that's amazing because it could have just been Adam and I don't know, somehow he could have done it a different way where, you know, the <laughs> populated the world, the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like asymmetrical or asexual plants. I don't know. Anyways. Um, he was like, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him woman. And there's no ancient Polaroids for me to prove this, but I'm pretty sure Eve was like smoking hot, like, you know, 26, 36, whatever the hourglass they say. And I'm pretty sure Adam was smoking hot too. And like, they had this, these beautiful humans. And again, back to the garden, men and women were made to live forever. So they were without cancer. They were without sin. They were without disease. They were without genetic, you know, all that stuff that you probably understand a lot better than I do. They live for 900 years. Look it up. I'm not making this up. And I believe their their bodies were perfect and everything worked together beautifully. And she had lots of kids. Unfortunately, it was painful because of the whole fall thing. <laughs> the whole sin came into the world. But all that to say, it was set up beautifully. And so, you know, when we say that like, why is this broken? And why, why are things hard? I don't think anything was supposed to be. I think in the very beginning, God said, I'm going to make this perfect man and this perfect woman. They're going to have hot sex on their wedding night. They're going to live happily ever after all the days of their life. And it was all his words. Good. You know, it was all very, very good. 
But the oldest sin in the book is we say, oh no, I know better. God really wants me to be happy. We say that a lot. God wants me to be happy. And just like we do today, like, oh man, my boyfriend is so cute. And, you know, he bought me this and he said the right thing. And I've had a little bit to drink and he smells good. Surely God wants me to be happy. Well, yeah, God does want you to be happy. He wants you to live your absolute best life. And he give you this, gave you this beautiful yet fragile gift of your sexuality. And he says, be careful with it. Because when you share it with just anyone, I know how destructive those consequences can be. Um, as I've done my research on this, counselors will tell you, you know, they've had people who are bankrupt. They have people who have lost loved ones, but the people who come in with the most pain that takes the most work is the people with sexual scars. So we have this huge gift of sex, but when it's misused and mistreated, it just freaking hurts and leaves a lot of, of scars. And so you know, our culture says, oh no, it's fine. You do whatever you want with whoever you want. And so we look around and we see a bunch of people who are confused and heartbroken and messed up and addicted because we are trying to numb the pain that we've caused on ourselves. So I have a lot to say about that, but but my point is that God made a good garden and a good gift of sex. And we have just gotten away and and forgotten that it is there to make us happy. It is there to make us happy. But he he gave us um, he gave us guidelines around it. And when we misuse that, then it causes a lot of destruction. One hundred percent. I think one thing I want to touch on that you said was the justification process that we use. Almost like if God owes us something, He owes us happiness. Um, I use that a lot whenever I yeah. was going through. Like, okay, well. I don't really want to stop this. Um, I felt the conviction of you should stop this, but I was like, I don't really want to. Um, And just kind of going through like, okay, did the Bible really mean this? Um, What does the original translation say? I mean, I'm telling you, I went through the creeks and valleys to try and find this justification. But I'm like, you could tell me, you could find a Bible that was the oldest Bible they've ever found. And it would say nothing about fortification or immorality as far as sexual um, premarital sex goes. And I just don't believe that the Holy Spirit is for it. I don't, I, I see it in my own life that just how painful, like you were talking about, just how painful that lifestyle is. So I don't know. Uh, did you go through the justification process too? Did you ever go through a moment where you were like, okay, maybe this is right. Yeah, I no, I distinctly remember my spring break. Uh, I don't know what year it was. It was I was still in high school, and um, oh gosh, I hope my mama doesn't listen to this. Um, I had my first and only one night stand, and I remember coming back, and everyone we were with on that trip had one. Like it was just a thing. It was terrible, but whatever. Yeah. And so I remember like going back to my girlfriends and I'm like, Oh, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Like, la la la. Like who cares? You know, it's spring break. You only live once. And, um, and there was a couple friend that was with us. They, I guess the only ones who didn't have one night stand anyway. And they were like, no, you know, I don't think that's the way it works. Like, I think there's more to it. And I'm like, Oh, whatever, (laughs) you know, like thinking I knew everything. And I didn't like read the scriptures or anything that was, I was far removed from, I didn't, I didn't care what the Bible had to say, you know, whatever. Um, I just looked for justification of, of being happy and being cool, right. Being cool was like of utmost priority. So, 
if it made me cool, then who cared about the details? Um, but what I found is, yeah, it was very, very empty, you know? And like, um, that, that guy like had a piece of me and I like was okay with it. And, and I was so drunk and like, what, what part of this beautiful gift? And of course I didn't know it all the time, but like of our sexuality, did it become, I can't even remember what happened, you know? Um, and then like going into high school, I mean, going into college and stuff, I remember I was still heartbroken over my high school boyfriend. And so I thought to make him jealous, like I would just like make out with a bunch of guys, like I have sex with a bunch of them, but just like make out or whatever. And, um, I remember talking to him one time and he was like, disgusted by it as he probably should have been. But I was like wanting to make him jealous and, Oh, well she kissed this guy and kissed that guy or whatever. And in reality, I was just making more of a fool of myself. Like I was just so, so desperately looking to feel loved, looking to be popular, looking um, to be wanted and giving pieces of my body in exchange for my worth. Like it made zero sense as I look back at it now. But at the time, um, yeah, I just wanted to be wanted and wanted to be beautiful in somebody's eyes. So whatever it took to find that. I did the same thing. And that's interesting that you bring it up as far as like trying to make someone jealous or trying to be cool, all that stuff. And I had this moment whenever I was in high school where I really liked this guy, but he was super Christian. And I knew that he wouldn't want anything to do with me. And not because he was a Christian and he was going to judge me, but I knew that he was pursuing godliness and I wasn't. And I never talked to him. He never told me that. It was this moment of kind of like, it just kind of waited on me like, holy crap, like I want a godly man, but I know that a godly man isn't going to want this lifestyle that I'm living. You know, that kind of, it was almost shameful. And I'm not saying God wants me to feel shameful, but you know what I mean? Yes. That's my favorite topic because most like 99% of the girls I have coffee with or get to meet or whatever. And that's why I made this whole dating plan on my website because the girls will tell me I want a Christian guy. I want a guy that, you know, I can raise kids in church. I want a guy who respects women, who doesn't look at pornography, who um, loves his mama. Like I say, I want all these things, but I'm going out, hooking up with guys. I'm dancing on the table. I'm giving my heart and my body away. And in the meantime, I'm like, maybe they think there's a magic erase button in life or, you know, they're probably just not thinking about it at all as I didn't either, but they, they don't have a plan. They're just walking through, you know, we, we don't ever argue with people. If you say, I want to go North, you get on that interstate to go North, but we argue when it comes to life and it's saying, I want to have, you know, this awesome Christian godly guy, but I'm going to look for him by heading South, so to speak, you know, like it, how does that make sense? So Yeah. So, um, one of my favorite lines is, are you who you're looking for is looking for. So like, you know, I say I wanted this good Christian guy, but a good Christian guy isn't looking for the girl who's having one night stands in Panama city beach. You know what I mean? Um, so I had to become, and I didn't know this at the time, like Jesus changed my life, obviously. And I started like seeking God and I started like becoming way more interested in the things of not of this world. And then that's when I met Brian, thank God, because if I would have met him like six months earlier, he'd have been like, uh, right. <laughs> it would not have worked out so much, but then yeah, becoming a totally different creation. And so, and I think that a lot of people will hear that. I know my 20 year old self would have heard that and been like, gotcha. So that means I can do whatever I want, hook up with whoever I want, drink whatever I want, dance at whatever bar tap I want. 
And then at the magic age of 24, like, you know, hit transform on my life, do a 180, find Jesus and find a good Christian guy. Like, (laughs) in the meantime, you're putting all kinds of baggage in your suitcase. You're getting more and more to compare your husband to. Experience does not make you better in the bedroom. Experience does not make you better with your future husband, but exclusivity, like protecting your heart and your mind and having that one person, you know, back to the garden, Adam and Eve were the only people in the world. And I think that we all want that. Like all those romantic songs are like, you're the only one, you're my only one. And we, we all want that. Like I'm the only one for him. He's the only one for me. That's how God made it as the only people in the world. But when we have a long list of ex-lovers, as the famous T Swift says, it just doesn't help anything. It just adds more and more complication, more and more comparison. It is enjoyable. But again, exclusivity, having that partnership, having someone who knows you inside and out very intimately as the word, as the word says, intimacy means knowing someone, you know, fully known. And so having a bunch of sexual partners, you know, actually this is, I read a very um, non-Christian article about this and it was talking about how, you know, these Tinder websites where people just hook up and that's all it's all it's about, that it's not as enjoyable because the men can't even, uh, a lot of times can't even have an erection because they don't even know the person, especially don't have that intimacy. And the women are never fulfilled. The women are not able to climax either a lot of times because there's no intimacy. There's not knowing each other. But as God made it as this truly, you know, naked in every form of the word intimacy, when you truly know that person and just to be real, you get to know what your partner likes and doesn't like and getting to know that person in a, I honor all of you. I protect all of you. I cherish all of you. I'm not walking out on you tomorrow type of relationship. That is true intimacy. And that is when you can truly love and enjoy this gift of sex. So I understand that you think that it might be fun and games right now, but I promise you it is not what it's created to be. And it's not the full potential of what it could be in the way it's designed to be used. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. I think also um, this talk specifically is kind of designed towards women, but I think a promiscuous male is having premarital sex or sex with strangers for the same reasons. I don't think it's just women who seek value. I think men do too. And yeah, I mean, like you said, we do it because we enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point, right? But at the end of the day, it it doesn't matter if you're secular, you're Christian, you're religious at all. It hurts. You know, Beyonce says the best revenge is your paper. Um, I have to disagree with her. I think the best revenge is being happy. And Mm. like you said, you went and made out with a bunch of people to make that boy jealous, but instead it just made him disgusted with you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably what's going to happen in most cases. If a girl goes and sleeps around just to make him jealous, it might make him jealous for a little bit, but mostly he's going to be like, okay, thank God I got out of that situation. Cause obviously she's yeah. just, you know, willy nilly. <laughs> desperate. Yeah. As well, it comes across as desperate. And I, and I, I feel so, I feel like there's a girl listening who's like, she, she's in that position, you know? And like you, I understand how that feels so like it was yesterday, you know? And she's like, Oh my gosh, like I'm so brokenhearted over this guy. And another guy is telling me I'm pretty and wants to come home with me. And like, I just want to feel loved. And I just want, she she doesn't even know probably to put words to that, but she's just kind of going through the motions because, um, she just needs to feel fulfillment and needs to feel loved. And I I just want to say to her, like, 
girlfriend, <laughs> take a step back. And as you said, becoming a whole person is going to be a thousand times more attractive and a thousand times more fulfilling than trying to find your worth in the arms of a guy. Like we, we keep saying it, but God bless America. Like he just cannot, I mean, he cannot, it is like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Like it just will not, no matter how hard you try work. I mean, I've, t- so again, on my age, I know lots of people, um, who are married and miserable or divorced and fighting custody battles. And, you know, no one goes into marriage thinking they're going to get a divorce, but when you go into marriage thinking that that person is going to fill your broken places, how can he? he, he, that's not fair because he's just a man. And same for the woman, like, you know, no one is each other's savior. There's only one of those. So looking for someone else to do that is never, ever, ever going to work. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah. Oh, preach it. Sister. Yeah. I think, I think that too. And I think a lot of women like will jump into another relationship right after the old one Yeah, to heal the brokenness, put the bandaid on. I know I do that. Um, it's fine. Um, it's not fine actually. <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, I think the best way, I think everybody's so worried. Like, what if I see him with someone else and then I don't have someone that he, he, he won in a sense by being able to date someone before I did or being able to move on before I did. And I think that's just such, you're being toxic to yourself at that point. And the best thing to do for yourself is to heal. And if that means that you don't need to get in a relationship right away, then so be it. Even if he's in one and you're still single, it's going to be, so much more powerful to your testimony and to him to watch you be happy first and then be in a healthy relationship versus getting into a relationship and constantly breaking up and getting into the new ones and breaking up and getting into the new ones. So I I do that. I I, I did that in the past. I don't, you know, but I don't know. I feel like that's also a very common thing and that may be a woman who's listening to. So yeah, for sure. I just heard somewhere today that your trials will become your testimony. So this painful part is going to be eventually part of the story that, you know, you can use to encourage someone else. So, you know, y'all broke up, you're heartbroken and that sucks, but this is going to be part of how you're going to help your friends go through the same situation. And yeah, like you said, it doesn't make you any better by jumping into another broken relationship. Like you got to work on yourself first. And I think that people jump into other relationships. Like they don't take time to grieve, you know, I mean, it's a loss. Like you would understand if someone needs to take some time off, if you lost a loved one, if to death, but you lost a loved one to a breakup, like it's okay to be sad about that. Like it's okay to take some time and gather yourself and do some self love before you like jump back out there because I mean, it hurts. And like, I don't know why we have this society of like, you're fine girl, brush it off. Like it's, it's a death, you know, and it's okay to be sad about it. So don't give yourself a hard yeah, time about that's it. Why I wrote that article. Like, it's okay to miss him because it is okay to miss him. Our culture constantly tells you like, oh, you're a boss AB and you're going to bounce back. Yeah. And this is how women do it. You know, this is how a strong woman does it. A woman does it. And um, miss me with that. I'm not dealing with that. I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to be sad and that's okay because one day I'll be happy. Like, geez. Boom. Which is a million times more attractive than desperately in another so-so relationship that's just bound for another breakup. Like, then you're just taking three steps back instead yeah. of moving forward. Sister. 
Okay. So I'm interested in your biology brain when it comes to all of this. Like, do you have anything? Yeah. Just dating and biology and the way God made us tell me things. Yes. So I've been reading a lot. Um, I'm obsessed with evolution. I know it's unheard of that a Christian believes in evolution, but I do because I've read um, through Genesis and I've been trying to put in the pieces of what science is saying and what the Bible says. And it is eerily similar. It's just kind of written differently than what our minds tend to understand when we're reading the Bible. But it, it's, it's kind of suggested in our history when um, we were first homo sapiens. This is like our first divergence from our ancestors, chimpanzees. And um, it, it suggested that possibly the women would be promiscuous with the men in their little tribe, which was around 100 people. Um, when farming started, it was around 1,000 people. Um, but the women would get pregnant and then keep having sex with people. Um, and that was for their survival. That was because of um, the more men that thought that this was their baby, the better chance the baby had to survive if more men were taking care of it. Um, but something wow. happened in that we're no longer, we don't, we don't operate like that. Even secular people don't operate like that. And, it, and everybody's like, what, what happened? And, um, what, what is suggested to happen is this consciousness, like, where did it come from? You know, where, why do we suddenly feel so deeply? We don't get angry because, um, our, friend from the tribe over took our apple while we were sleeping. It's deep anger. It's you hurt my feelings kind of anger. And it's like, where did this come from? So, you know, we did, we did all this promiscuous stuff for survival, but suddenly something happened in our transition through evolution that that didn't fix it. That was no longer needed for just survival. That, that was no longer that was just the band-aid at that point. We needed something to help us with our emotions and to keep us stable as individual homo sapiens. Um, and so that's really interesting. I think it's just this really cool transition. And, and in Genesis, it actually talks about Eve eating the apple and suddenly she's aware and they're suddenly um, aware of everything and they cover themselves. And I think that's interesting that science is actually you know, saying that's probably what happened. No, not exactly that Eve ate a fruit and it made her smart, but (laughs) something similar um, of this consciousness that kind of came out of nowhere and scientists don't know where it came from. Yeah. And so, um, you know, back then what we needed to survive was food, shelter, water, and to keep our species going. That's all that mattered. Um, But suddenly our consciousness kicked in. We don't know why. And, um, Suddenly we needed monogamous relationships and suddenly we needed someone to tend to our specific needs. And that's kind of where this weird marriage thing comes into play. And I I think that's right. And I think that's super cool. And that's biblical. I mean, that's science, but that's biblical at the same time. Wow. That is super fascinating. I've never heard that about the sapiens and all of that stuff. That's bananas. I'm obsessed. Okay, so you mentioned you have a blog. Tell me more about that and how girls can listen in on um, all the cool things you have to say about that. Yeah, I run a blog. It's called christiancrack.blog. Check it out. Um, christiancrack.blog, first of all. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, there's so many like traditional Christians that are like outside my house with pitchforks, I'm sure, because I mean my blog that. Um, I think it's awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, and so it's basically tended towards women and uh, towards the empowerment of women, just to kind of feel heard and to feel seen. Um, that you're not walking through it alone as far as brokenness goes or, you know, any, any way that God has shaped my testimony. Um, I want that to, to be a light to someone else. And so I kind of use those experiences and write about them um, just to let women know that they're loved and that they're seen and that there's a light to the end of their tunnel. So, Oh, man, that's so good. Yeah. I love it. Okay, well, I want to keep talking with you about a hundred more hours, but I'm going to ask you a few following, you know, closing questions. So if you could have coffee with your 18 year old self, what would you tell her? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I would tell her to leave your life behind. That's what I would tell her. Um, Mm. Because, you know, Jesus says like anybody who wants to keep their life loses it, but those who lose it will save their life. And, um, I want in in the theoretical means I want to lose my life when I was 18 like not by death but like let go of all the baggage and all the hatred and all the the I guess the grudges I was holding and just live in this love that you're designed to live in and yeah that that's that's yep that's what I would say <laughs> oh that's good so just stop living for your your own self right. your own like temporal things right. right yeah oh man uh, so we just went to new york with our girls and um and not too long ago we actually went to the grand canyon and so we're kind of talking about the difference and like the grand canyon is a god-made thing and, and new york is a man-made and, and they're both incredible and they're both beautiful and stuff and, but we were just talking about how you know, no matter how hard we try and by golly, we sure do try as a human race to, you know, make everything beautiful and make everything amazing. And just all the things that we try as a human race, like we just can't, can't reach to heaven. You know, the tower of Babel, how people tried to build a skyscraper so high, we'd actually reach heaven. Like we, we keep trying to do that and we just can't. Um, so I guess just getting to the point of, trying so hard to control our own life and to be perfect and beautiful and popular. And we just can't be all the things, but we can be fully loved by the creator of everything. So way more important, way more important. All right. So people will want to hang out with you on the worldwide internet. (laughs) How can they do that? My Instagram is Jada Gabrielle, but Jada spelled a little differently. It's J A I D A. Um, and then uh, Always, my email is hopkinsjada at gmail. H-O-P-K-I-N-S-J-A-I-D-A at gmail. Cool. And Jada does this thing on Sundays where it's called Sticky Sunday. And people, you know, there's um, Instagram, you can ask questions and people ask questions about faith. And I don't think there are any like un you know, any questions off the the docket, right? Like you have all kinds of cool people chiming in with very interesting stuff. And they've talked about, yeah. yeah, talk about like, you name it. I feel like you've talked about it and I'm sure there's a million more topics to go. So, um, yeah, it's interesting stuff. I always fascinated by your sticky Sunday topics. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Um, if you have questions and some things we didn't cover, we're going to have another episode where I just talk about like the questions you didn't want to ask and all the anonymous questions. So look for that on social media. Cause I would love to this not be the end of this conversation, but the beginning. Thank you so much Jada for coming on and talking about relationships and sex and all the things. And it's just been so fun talking with you. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. Bye. <laughs>